Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we kick off Season 3 with the homestands in Dallas and New York, staffing changes coming to the league, and the drama with the Vice President. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the gameplay analysis segment of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast, our first one of Season 2. Hooray, go us. We've made it. We survived. We are we are chugging along. Yeah, um, we survived the offseason. Yeah. It was insane. Uh, I guess you can consider the offseason like the World Cup and the whole other Blizzard stuff, but kind of glad that we get to talk about the league. Yeah. I, I'm glad that it's back. I was very, very worried that we wouldn't have enough to keep this going until we started, but we made it. Uh, we're the little podcast that could, and we have a lot to talk about. Uh, first home stands, eight hours roughly each day because he had four matches to each, um, and then all the new changes we have. Um, yeah, so- and... Also, it's different because we have different time zones as well. We're going to have to get used to that. Um, With it being in different regions, considering that we're going as far as Paris and then all the way to Korea, and then potentially later after the coronavirus stuff finishes up, we'll have more games in China. Um, It's going to be really interesting to see how this uh, all plays out. And Especially watching it, like uh, originally, if the uh, Chinese games were to be going on, it would be going on from 11 p.m. to 1 p.m. our time. So, yeah, we I don't know if we would stay up or just hope that we get to watch the highlights later. But yeah, it's it's still kind of a lot to take in, especially during the weekend. It's like I woke up at 10 a.m. to watch these things live if my Internet had not cut out and been really dumb. So that's early for me. Like when I'm not working, I get up normally like at least 12 and then do my stuff. So (laughs) I miss L.A. time. I miss having them right here on, on the West Coast, but not everything is circulating around Hollywood. Yeah, like I do agree with the fact that it was nice having it on a set schedule. So if you knew like, oh, my team is playing at 3 p.m. or they're playing at this time today, uh, we just all go hang out at somebody's house and just watch it. All right. So let's get into this. Um, So day one, February 8, 2020, we had the New York homestand. Um, And so they started this off with some early kind of uh, pregame, some pregame watch point stuff. Um, so Custom was finally on the desk. Uh, he's one of the newer talent. We also got to see Jake do his thing first day. Um, we talked about it it's a little bit in the news segment, but back when we had Blizzard Arena, everybody would come and do their thing at Blizzard Arena in Burbank. Uh, the analysts were there, the guests were there, the desk was there, the players were there. Um, but what it looks like they're doing for the foreseeable future unless things go horribly wrong they have to change it is that the desk is going to be headquartered in los angeles 
So Soli and the desk team are just headquartered in LA. They're going to send teams of casters out to each homestand and each game. And then they'll just shift whatever's broadcasting, Um, which I guess is what they do in a a lot of professional sports anyway. Um, But I think it's very early in Overwatch's um, life cycle to be doing this. Like, what if the internet doesn't work? What if like day one, we already had a lot of game having to be paused because of, of tech issues. So on one hand, this is a lot less stress on the desk team uh, to be traveling everywhere. Uh, but on the other hand, I think it could, I don't know. It, it could go wrong in, in several ways. Um, also new this year is the, the way that the league is going to be run is, is very different. Um, so they're no longer going to be stages with stage playoffs. What we're going to have is we're going to have the two conference leaders. So whoever's in the, the East and the West to the top two are going to be facing off against two other wildcard teams for a mid season tournament that is worth a million dollars in prize money. And so each conference is going to be broken into four divisions. The, the West, which is the Pacific has an East division, the Hunters, the Charge, the Spark, the Dragons, and Dynasty. So pretty much Asia. And then the West is going to be Fuel, Valiant, Gladiators, Shock, and Titans. The Atlantic division is going to be divided into North, which is the Uprising, the Spitfire, uh, NYXL, the Eternals, and the Defiant. And the South is going to be the Rain, Mayhem, Outlaws, Fusion, and Justice. Um... So that that's going to be different. Again, it would have been nice this season to just see four different regional stadiums that would be considered the home stands. Um, also changing is the way that the maps and matches are going to be run. It's going to be a first to three map format with a map rotation, I believe, um, changed each week, I think. Um so instead of being like best of five, it's it's first to three. It saves a lot of time, I think. So you don't have to watch the rounds that, although they've already lost the matchup, they're they're just kind of vying for the win loss record. Um, yeah. So that that's what's new this season. Um, so the day one people playing were the Defiant versus the Eternal, and the Spitfire versus NYXL in New York. And then in Dallas, which is where the other homestand was happening, it was the Gladiators versus Titans and the Valiant versus Fuel. It was 132 days since the Overwatch League Season 2 ended. Um, Hero Pools, which we talked about as a a thing coming into competitive and Overwatch League, are going to be happening in Week 5. Zoe is in charge of the desk and she's also doing all the voiceover work for the ads and everything that Malik used to do. Um, and some other things that I noticed are they're really pushing the New Jersey's They're Every single ad, advertisement was for the New Jersey's by staple because they're brand new. They're going to be pushing them. But also an observation that I had is that they look kind of dumb when you see them on people like, that you have you can look at the jersey online and that's what it looks like to us who would just be buying them but for the players there's a little white strip like on the chest uh, i think it's i believe on their right side on the chest that has their name 
And if you've ever seen like those little white label makers that you type something up and it'll print it out, it looks like they took a label maker, typed up their name and stuck it onto the jersey. It looks really, really like done last minute and kind of dumb. Um, and then the last thing in, in just kind of general news was we had the the Cheez-It commercials between Cheez-It crunch time between a lot of our, our the matches and, and the different fights whenever there's a break. Uh, there was an issue that a lot of people had with their video feed freezing just on the, the Cheez-It break time thing. So it would pop up and then they wouldn't be able to see what was going on during the actual game. So not good technical issues to have day one. Yeah. Any crunchers in chat? Uh, we got that <laughs> a lot. But yeah, it, if anything, this is definitely something new for the league. They're going to have to figure out what's going on. Honestly, I love Cust on the desk. You know, there's a reason why his big brain was too big for the LA Valiant. Um, <laughs> and they have to put him on the desk so he could actually use his brain to 100% capacity. Um so yeah, he he always gives really good insight. He's just a very smart player. Um, I didn't get the chance to talk to him when he was on the Valiant, um, mm-hmm. and he came down for the Cup. But um, that was because I was helping out with like operations of the whole thing. So I, I really did wish I could sit down with Costa. He seems like a hyper intelligent dude, um, and I'm glad to have him on the desk this time. Um, the I desk mean, being kid, dreams, we could try to. We, I could try to hit him up on Twitter and like meet him and interview him for the podcast but that's far-reaching dreams yeah we got to see what we can what we can land um the the next thing the desk being in los angeles i feel like is a smart thing rather than having them uh obviously travel around everywhere it feels like that might be a lot of work um but having one central place um makes it easier for them i i'm still kind of confused like why la once again um not not just because like oh la is headquartered like yeah blizzard hq is in irvine is in irvine not too far from la so i'm guessing that's it plus a lot of sound stages are in la like the industry's here Mm -hmm. i'm guessing it's for like ease of of just production yeah just ease of production but i could also see it like if they wanted to follow in the steps of like uh sports center um go to georgia um the reason for that is um, it's kind of in the middle in terms of time for both the uh, the East Coast and West Coast games. So if the talent, like if I were on talent, I, I usually wouldn't be able to get up at like eight in the morning to just get ready for a game that's going to be happening in Paris. Right. Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be chilling somewhere um, and having having it kind of in a middle area that way would probably help out with um keeping them on schedule and not having them uh, wake up super early. But then again, like LA, very good place for, you know, obviously film and television. Um, plus it's closer to headquarters. So definitely on them. I'm glad that they, they picked some place where they can call home for, for watch point. Um, the 2020 structure wise, um, I do like this, honestly, um, instead of vying for stage playoffs and stuff like that, which are kind of just like midseason things, um, they're going to just have one midseason tournament, which is going to be um, bigger. And there's money incentive. It's not just like, oh, you win a stage. That's cool. Right. One million dollars. Um, just like, yeah. just let that sink in a million. 
Like, yeah. assuredly, like, it's going to be divided up by the team. So by the time you get your cut, it's not going to be that much. But still, that's like, that's America's Got Talent money right there. Exactly. I feel like it's definitely worth something. Um, and you don't have to wait till the end of the year to always fight for prize money, um, which is cool. Um, and then the four divisions thing, I feel like it was really smart of them to do it this way. Um, that way they don't have to constantly fight, um, over who's, you know, instead of it just being Pacific and Atlantic, um, you have a little bit more, uh, variety, I guess you can say. Um, I would like to see, obviously we were talking about it, just have one homestand per division that way. So you have Pacific East and West and then Atlantic North and South. Um, that way, you know, you can still get the quote-unquote homestand experience um, because it's closer to the people. Yeah, they're already dividing it up like that anyway. So it it feels like it was made just to have like a regional homestand. And then they decided, you know what, let's just push it even farther, even though we're not sure it'll work. The only thing that like, if they wanted to really do that, they would have to, I would say, this is me, swap the uprising and the fusion for the Atlantic North and South. The only reason for that is because Fusion already have an arena, so you can kind of use it. And then the Rain are building an arena, um, or they just had an esports arena built in Atlanta, so you can use that. Um, but then again, like you know, I feel like we're expanding a little too quickly, but that that's fine. Um, if it survives this, maybe they might downgrade and go back to the homestand ideas that we had. Um, I'm happy about the first to three thing. Uh, we don't have to oh, watch yeah. a fourth map for no reason. Um, oh, yeah. It's just like, okay, you win your three, you 3 owed them. That's cool. We're done. Um, and then, yeah, the whole homestand thing. I feel like, once again, I'm glad that they are going closer to their crowds, closer to the people who will support them. Once again, uh, one of the common threads that people were saying is the crowd acts as the seventh man on the team um it does really spark um player interest and if anything it does add to that whole atmosphere um then again you could play into it as well you've heard uh the the shock played into it a lot <laughs> they mm-hmm. they got booze they when, when they went in for it, said tactical crouches they got booze from the crowd but right they are playing that super villain role like we we won a lot of things and they're willing to just be the one that everybody hates but um out of hate there's always respect so i i hope at least uh i can't i can't speak for over all overwatch fans but i could speak on uh just the half of just being a sports player i feel like there's there's always respect when it comes to like players and teams that do really well um so yeah we'll we'll see how that goes uh we'll definitely go into the breakdown of how the games went for day one and two um and then, obviously, later down the line, we have week five. We have the hero pools. Um, that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I am very uh, interested to see how it plays out. Um, Matt and I will definitely go into the meta and how it's kind of, I guess, shifting now that we get to see the pros play it. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes and plays out. Uh jerseys i do agree it does look like they just freaking put a label label maker name on the on the thing and then 
It's so yeah. ugly. The the name and number on the back too are like really tiny. Uh, that's it's just like oh, also we okay. Look at the logo. Yeah, the, you got the logos on the shoulders. Like it's not prominent enough to be like that's it's what we're we're supposed to be looking there, right? Like, <laughs> um, it's just kind of it's there. Um, then again, like some of the teams, like once again, have like really cool um, logos. Like once again, the Gladiators, the Valiant, uh, NYXL has an interesting one. You know, the Atlanta Rain have like a super sick logo. Um, but like some teams, like, I guess like the shock, we don't really have one. We just kind of have yeah. a bunch of, we have a bunch of lines that kind of look like a bridge. A squiggly. Uh, yeah. We have a squiggly, uh, the Boston uprising just kind of have their letters. Um, and yeah, I just feel like it needs to be a little bit more prominent. Um, but I just hope that if they do the thing that they did last year, where after the halfway mo- uh, after the halfway point, they announce the Wave Three jerseys, um, and they start showing off more Wave Three jerseys, um, I would be totally down to pick one of those up. Um, yeah. So we'll see that that'll probably come after the halfway or the midway point, and I do hope that that's the way how it's gonna go down. I hope um, so because these are really disappointing jerseys. Yeah, these these are kind of kind of sad. Um, not gonna lie, I just hope that we get, if if anything, let uh let Staples create more streetwear, but don't make it the official jersey. Just like let them have it on the shop, and if people want to wear it to be cool, uh, you can do that. Um, I'm not gonna bash you for that. I, I just can't afford it. I'm bashing you because I can't afford it. Please buy me. Uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I feel like that's just the way how it goes you just have to um you're gonna enjoy the jerseys it might just grow on us we'll, we'll see um or we'll just wait till like the black friday deals and just pick it up then all right so kind of we're gonna move into the uh the actual games now um so our first match in new york was the defiant versus the eternal um so their their map rotation started at Lijong, Eichenwald, and Horizon. And then I'll I, I will give my two cents here. Um I feel like if we're talking in terms of team lineup, the Defiant really did beef up their, their team. Oh, if yeah. you haven't seen their roster, it is insane. <laughs> um they're scary. Um as for the Eternal, they're still waiting for Sparkle to become of age. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to wait for the, that before he can actually play in the in the league. So we'll wait he's on that. A we'll couple see weeks away, right? He, yeah, he's, he's, he's only he's... a couple weeks out. He's only a couple weeks out. But um, I feel like once they get him in, it's gonna change the way how the Eternal are gonna look. Like right now, um, no real big spoilers, but like not a lot happened. Uh. I think they did pretty well, actually. Like going up against the Defiant, like they're they're showing that they actually have people who will work have, together, which yeah. is good. They, they have, have a little really bit of synergy. Plays. Like um, like Ben Best as as a tank was doing was doing really well. He got a lot of really good shatters off um, throughout the weekend. Like and XE was very good with um, just DPSing in general. Got a lot of really good uh, good picks on the Defiant. Helped stop a lot of a lot of the pushes. Helped start a lot of the pushes. Um, 
but yeah, the Defiant were still clearly the, the better team here. Um, they did win. Uh, spoiler. Yeah, but it was interesting to see them. Obviously, this is the first uh, match of the entire league. Um, the pressure. And yeah, it, there's a lot of pressure. You want to put on so a show um, for the first for the first game. But um, yeah, the one thing once again, thanks uh, Defiant for picking up Nevix, giving him some time on stage. Uh, very cool dude. Honestly, got to talk to him a little bit before he went on stage. Uh, he he logged in and I was like, "Hey, are you getting ready for for your game today?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm a little nervous, but um, I'm hoping to pop off." And I was like, "All right, good good luck." And he's like, "Yeah," and he he did really well, so I'm I'm glad to see him. In terms of the way how the game is being played, uh, I do like the state of the game at the moment. I feel like it is map reliant, which is very similar to how it was back in season two. Um, certain maps would allow for certain things to be played. And I feel like a lot of the teams are figuring that out. And I, I like this. It gives a little bit more variety. Um, and it's not always the same lineup. We're not always getting ghosts. Right. We're not always getting double shield. Um, it's not a one size fits all maps now. There's yeah. a uh, there's a specific thing that you can play per team. People um, are going strategy reliant, not meta reliant. Like we saw a lot of there's a lot of different varieties of heroes that I didn't think we'd ever see played again like we had brig we had tracer we had somra we had Farrell, we had mercy yeah and once again it is strategy reliant so we had zens uh, yeah we had zens uh <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that like we had ryan arissa like that's not something that you see a lot um i i know the thinking behind it but honestly you don't see that as often as you know you would have seen uh, earlier in the patch. So I'm really glad right. that we get to see a lot of these different um, teams roll out with different setups. So uh, let's just hope that it doesn't mess up anything later down the line when it comes back to hero pools. But um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting season so far for sure. I think what happened what, with day one, it was just big because it's the start. It's it just yeah. it's getting us back into it, and we we did have very good matchups like the Paris Eternal, like they defied my expectations of being able to go up against, um, uh, the Paris Eternal did way better against the Defiant than I thought they would. Like, um, they went to four maps, so they at least they took one off Toronto. They forced Eichenwald to go into to second attack and second defense. So definitely gonna be watching to see how far they can climb hopefully they can show that the european theater is not just good because they have koreans over there who want to play for london yeah um london versus nyxl was also a really fun match to watch mm -hmm. um the spitfire once again have a completely almost a completely different roster yeah uh, the only person who's left is krillin um and he only so... played two maps last year <laughs> yeah exactly he, he yeah just... He's like Krillin from Dragon Ball. He just shows up for a little bit and then just, you know, just sits there. Uh, but the NYXL, once again, showing off why they were the kings of the East for a long time. Um, they, they're they just great. They're just a good team. Um, 
Glister really got to show off for um for the Spitfire. For, yeah, for the Spitfire. Uh Mono Hotva and Mono Hotva, who are you and Nene were just going off on mm-hmm. NY. So there's a lot of really good synergy there. Yeah, who are you was one of those crazy players who like a lot of people knew about um going in and i was glad that he got signed to kind of a bigger name team and something especially a team with veteran experience like the nyxl um who are you is going to be probably going side by side with uh wasabi Obe in the way how they're mm-hmm. going to be playing who are you is just very projectile based and uh and sabi Obe is very up close and personal so i'm expecting a lot of dive from this team later on but i wouldn't say that like that's their one trick they're going to be very good at whatever they need to play um and yeah i'm glad that a lot of this talent is kind of veteran roster stuff um i feel like the spitfire once again uh since they did take them to a map four they just need to um they they just need to get their footing once again brand new team it's always about learning how your team works as a unit right um so yeah, once once you get the unit down, then everybody should be okay going into the rest of it. So um, they still did the the London Spitfire name very proud. Like even as a brand new team, they took one off of NYXL, which are are a much more solid and much more coherent team because a lot of them have played together before. They're not all brand new. Exactly, they're they're all veterans coming in from like you know literally since the beginning of the overwatch league they're they're strong right. for a reason um and then same thing with like they're fostering new talent too um so as long as they could keep the name going uh they're gonna be good i feel like the one thing that nyx or not nyxl uh that uh the london spitfire need is a little bit of veteran um experience just to kind of get them on track rather than mm-hmm. um they are a bunch of like new kids on the block but i i mean that feel i feel like it comes down to the coaching staff as well if they're able yeah. to bring them in but um sign a free agent. i wouldn't yeah sign a free agent i mean there's a lot of people who are out there a uh, bumper uh there's a lot of people who have experience in the league who are willing to just talk about and get your team settled so london yeah go, go and pick up somebody who will uh ground your team a little bit yeah, it's it's like what a lot of um other sports will do. Like I, I I don't like Derek Fisher. I've never liked Derek Fisher. I don't think Derek Fisher was a very particularly good basketball player. But when he was brought over from the Lakers to the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, I think that's really when the team started to really take off just because he he had the experience of being in the NBA for so long and he was able to impart that groundedness into the new rookie players yeah and it's the same thing once again if we want to go to the basketball analogy like vince carter like he's still on teams just to give them that push um not not saying that he can't dunk on kids anymore he can still <laughs> do that um it, but that's not I, his primary feel, role it's not his primary role his role is to like give wisdom and under like essentially tell people like how to calm down how to play the game uh yeah, in a very very good way. So for day one, the Defiant, the Eternal Defiant, took that three to one. Um, NYXL picked up three to one over the Spitfire. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, I think it was a very good exhibition for both teams. Nothing really, nothing really notable, but it shows 
kind of where where these teams are at. It shows that, as we were saying, the Spitfire are new, but they have talent, um, and that the Paris Eternal have promise. Um, this day one, we also saw the saw what it's going to be like to transfer from one homestand to another arena somewhere else on the globe. Um, Kevin, did you watch this live? Because I had to watch this on a recording. Um, I did watch this one live. Um, okay. I watched the I watched the Dallas homestand stuff live because I was awake at that time. Yeah, but I did sit through one of the intermissions. Which How is are like, those intermissions? That's boring that's as hell. Intermissions. There's two hours of nothing. So essentially, between those matches, they're just like rolling ads or. Um, it's not even like watch point or anything like there's nothing to like kind of get us into the map we're just kind of just sitting there like okay now we have to wait for the next match to happen um that's cool they should fill but the time i feel like they should but then again it could get super wonky if it's like a super long break like what if there's one game in in like china and then the other game is in like philadelphia you have like a you have a couple hour like break unless if you have one place start super early or super late. Um, yeah. But honestly, I feel like it's, it's okay. I feel like they could have just cut to break instead and just say like, Oh, we'll be back like half an hour before the game start kind of have the watch point rolling where they're saying like, okay, these are the teams that are coming in. Uh, mm-hmm. We can talk about them a little bit before the game actually starts. And then once the game starts, then you send it over to the homestand. Um, but well, what you could do is you could just roll the shorts on repeat. Yeah, that, that, that works too. Also, yeah, we haven't uh, gotten a short or a comic in forever. Yeah. Uh, it, Zen lore, uh, please. Uh, <laughs> please. Zen lore. Uh, Zen lore. Um, I feel like there was the one thing that I saw from the gauntlet that I really did enjoy um, when when it was airing um, and it was during the intermissions, um, they would show B-roll of the place. So the gauntlet was held in Seoul, Korea. So the during the break, they would show like a mix of Overwatch footage, like highlights that were happening. And then during the countdown to like the next place, they were showing um, like their railroad system, like the street food, the the vendors and stuff that's like in the area that's specific to uh-huh. it. Um, that way you kind of get a feel of like, oh, this is where they're playing the games. So like it would have been cool, for example. Um, that's a good idea. Like if they do Philadelphia again, you have like uh, the Liberty Bell, you have like open Rocky. parks, you have people. Yeah, you have the, the Rocky series, you have people eating Philly cheesesteaks, like things like that, that set the mood of like, oh, we are in Philadelphia. This is what it's known for. Yeah. Talk um, about the home team, like do do a short doc on the home team. Exactly. Like having those small packages in order to roll ahead and kind of give. Well, you could give something to the audience so that they're hyped for it. You also have like other events that essentially get people who are watching the broadcast and the people at the arena really excited about, you know, what's about to go down. So if you wanted to, you can build kind of a narrative like I I don't know if they did it at they did a little bit at Dallas where they were saying like, oh, um, they've never been defeated at home uh, and they were playing against like the Valiant that um, Custa like Custa has 
uh, history with being on both teams. Like you can essentially make a small package out of that. And it would have been really fun to see Custa's whole, uh, like give him like five minutes to just talk about like his relationship with both the Valiant and the, uh, mm-hmm. and the fuel and who he has money on essentially on this game. Um, but yeah, it, it's just B roll stuff. I feel like if they had more content in the middle, um, it would get people excited before the show even begins. And then when the show happens, it's even more impactful. They need to really sit down and think of the best way to streamline this for the viewer experience. Like I understand that it's it's hard for them to coordinate globally, but this is stuff that I think should have been done before you even decided to do the homestands. At least have that footage ready, like probably like a month out. Yeah. That way you can, you know when to roll it in. Like mm-hmm. it's always a safe place to go. And like, this is all optional stuff too. Like people don't have to watch it, but for people who are like doing watch parties or something like give them something to do in between the waiting. Just yeah, just, content. It's important to not have dead time. Yeah. Like as a guy who usually does host, I do host viewing parties, especially if there's like a good game going on. Um, and I, like if it's a big thing, I know that the actual shock organization will create a watch party somewhere for everybody to go see it. But I do feel like if you are having like a watch party with your friends, you should be able to put it up on a screen somewhere and enjoy it and not have dead time. Um, just as long as they don't be like, oh, guys, we're going to show DJ Khaled again. Just be <laughs> Just yeah, we get more DJ Khaled. Yay! It's like nobody wants that. <laughs> I will give but, him credit for trying, though. I will give yeah, Khaled I mean, credit for trying. Yeah, just don't make that every intermission. Just give us something. Give us something to look at. Um, that we can actually enjoy as Overwatch fans. You don't have to tailor it to to everyone you can just make it for the people who are literally going to be staying there to watch your watch your stuff right anyway so going over to dallas this is we got to see jake do his thing for the first time um i think he did well yeah he he did very well he knows what he's doing so uh he i i think the transition was was flawless and him having played in the league i think gives like Custa, it gives them an edge over the other casters who who have been part of the league from the beginning but only know the one side yeah having that player experience is actually very important um and i do think that jake already had some experience doing contenders and then also world cup so i'm glad that he's able to transfer those skills over to the overwatch league and i'm really glad that they were able to bring on uh zp to help him out with that as well yeah um so gladiators versus titans this one this one actually went to five which surprised me like i I love my la teams but against the titans like like i didn't expect to see them go the distance because like now going the distance is pretty much just going to be up to five i don't think we'll see i don't think we'll really see a six i think they're trying to avoid going going that far right yeah so it will always be minimum three maximum five yeah um but i'm really glad that the gladiators are able to at least put up a fight against the titans they did have a huge roster shuffle um 
And, you know, if anything, it shows that space is going to be popping off. He's got a lot of good talent with him now um, as well. And the Titans are an interesting team. They have a lot of their basic cord back, but they picked up Fisher and Jayhong. So um, they're both going to be interesting players to come into, um, especially later in the season, to see where they decide to play him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Titans eventually did take it, which I, I, I knew that was going to happen, but good on LA for, for, for showing up and not taking this lying down. Um, and then we got our second one, uh, our second match, another LA team, the Valiant versus the fuel. Um, so I, I don't know if I said it before, but the maps for, uh, the last match were Nepal, Kings Row, and Hanamura to start. And then they moved over to Dorado and Lijong for maps four and five. Uh, Valiant V Fuel was Lijong, Blizzard World, and Horizon. Um, and this one went to four. They added Junker Town at the end. But sad for the Fuel, <laughs> they lost at home. Big oof. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big oof. But honestly, uh, Valiant, Valiant are a team that doesn't necessarily have a lot of like new pieces. Technically, they they have a lot yeah. of they have a lot of people who they kind of picked up here and there. Um, they lost a lot of their their roster um, with you know Custa leaving. They lost space. They but um, they're definitely feeling their footing again. And uh, I feel like. Yeah, the Fuel have a lot of really good pieces. I mean, they have Decay and Gamsu. They're amazing players. They just have to figure Gamsu out their was, footing. Gamsu was crazy. Exactly. Like, going off. there's a reason why they picked him up from the Dragons. Like, he's very good at what he, what he needs to do. So, I feel like if he's going to be there, there's got to be... Um, there's got to be something to that will help Decay and, and Gamsu pop off. Um, not saying that the rest of the team isn't popping off. It's just like they just need to find their footing. Once again, it is the first match. Fuel have a lot. I feel like uh, the crowd could be helpful or hurtful. Once again, you have an entire group of people who are cheering you on, helping you, you right. know, get ready, helping you, you know, get pumped for the action. But at the same time, you have that pressure of being like, damn, I'm in front of my home crowd. If I disappoint, like we could lose fans, we could lose like performance uh, anxiety yeah exactly performance anxiety it always comes down to that so i just hope that we'll see if this affects other teams later down the line um it didn't affect the new york excelsior as we as we know but yeah the fuel just kind of need to figure out what they need to do um and the valiant look look pretty solid oh yeah I, I just realized as I was watching map two, like they have KSF and KSP both on the DPS role, mm-hmm. which got very, very confusing for me as I try to take the notes. Yes. Uh, three letters starting oh, with K and, K and S. And then like my, when my screen is small, cause I keep, I double screen it. So I have on my laptop, I have one half of the screen is, the the match and the other half is my notes page so when i'm trying to like distinguish who's playing what especially when they're switching when they need to switch it's like is that a p or is that an f yeah it doesn't help (laughs) especially with like notes and uh analytics half you're just like what am i supposed to be pointing out here 
Um, yeah. I feel like, honestly, this is just me. I feel like uh, the the pick to go to Junkertown was literally like an open invitation for the Valiant. Like, <laughs> they had... KSF and KSP can both play long-range snipers. And oh, it's, it was all snipers this map. Yes. And no inch uh May. Yeah. The the way how you play Junkertown is you play snipers from distance, and then if they collapse on you, your tanks rotate. Like that's literally the only way how you play this map. Um but it there was that one point I feel like um where the Valiant were literally almost pushed into their spawn and they just kept them there. Like you, you don't let them leave and then when you do that you're eating time off the clock and that's that's what wins the game yeah um so yeah it, it's interesting to see once again i want to point this out the meta is determined by the map not by what one size fits all anymore so um once again junker town it's not a complete throw if you pick dive heroes on attack because it's actually viable we saw a ton of dive throughout every map yeah, and I'm uh, as a person who came from the beginning of the game, I'm glad to see dive back a little bit. Um, I'll want to be able to play Winston without people telling me that it's a complete throw. Um, the Winston ball and hand picks were, yeah, were just all all throughout. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just on one team. Both sides of each map were always picking and swapping. Like throughout both days, the diva boosts actually the diva buffs that they gave her. The fact that you know boosters are on three seconds um is the reason why she's like mostly picked in a lot of these games what's her ability to Um, eat the may yeah and the hanzo ults yeah she has mobility and the ability to like negate anything so um i feel like once again i feel like later down the line she is going to get another nerf i don't you can call me on that tinfoil hat i love diva how she is right now but i do agree that she's a little too strong she can kind of get out of situations that she shouldn't be able to um and people are like oh just go hog and then uh that's that's a mistake as well uh just because hog is an old battery um you're just going to be feeding a lot of the diva and reinhardt players and the reaper players and the reaper players yeah and and the may players like you just completely get countered by a lot of a lot of the things out there so i i would not recommend playing hog into diva if you're going to play anything into diva play zarya you'll instantly win the fight because dm does nothing melt just melt yeah. the melt you, the you, mech. you melt the mech early then you throw grav like just wait it out so yeah that I, that that was day one i think for me like i said before it's just getting back into the groove of of overwatch and then demonstrating what's changed and what we can hopefully see from the rest of the season, which is not having a set meta, having different variations maybe of, of different team compositions, but players able to really flex and show a variety of heroes. Yeah. And I'm really glad about that too. Um, Once again, I, as a team, if you're really worried about having players who can flex onto different, different roles, that is players who could flex onto different roles are going to be in higher priority now. Like they're going to be so much better just because they can play within their class. And if they can play in their class at the highest level, you understand that they deserve that spot. Um, Which is why we'll get into like 
we'll get into the last match of day two, but there's some <laughs> other picks that are happening. Uh, but yeah, um, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. So moving on to day two, I think day two, uh, again, it was start in New York, then go to, to Dallas. I think day two was a lot more, um, a lot more interesting in terms of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Spitfire v Eternal, and then the Uprising facing the NYXL in New York, and then in Dallas we had we had the Valiant vs Titans, yeah, and then the Shock v the Fuel. Yeah. Oh yeah, and in, in the chat, I remember you were worried about like the chat throughout um, moving from Twitch to to YouTube. There were there was a, a bit of activity in the chat, just all saying crunch time because of that that stupid thing with the cheese its yeah we're gonna get that but we still need emotes like honestly we need the emotes so we don't have to type in a lot like give us give us a cheese it square that just says groovy like that's all we need uh <laughs> and we'll we'll <coughs> throw that in everything but yeah honestly or or like a cheese it that just says crunch and then we'll just put a clock after it we'll, we're smart about that we'll we'll make it work but yeah we we need emotes and league tokens um but yeah, the the New York matches were really interesting. Honestly, we had this yeah. once again first matches uh the Spitfire versus the Eternal. Um both of these teams have fresh rosters. They have a lot of new players on their rosters. Um the Eternal kept a lot of their main pieces, which is important um when they were going into this. Uh it wasn't it, it was pretty uh pretty one-sided, but mm-hmm. Paris it, 3-0. Yeah, it it was a three zero against the Spitfire, um, but I would say if anything, it's just veteran experience at this point. I feel like the right. Spitfire, as long as the Spitfire don't do the same thing that the Dragons did, or you, you know, as long as they don't become the the zero and forty Dragons, um, I think <laughs> we'll be okay. I think for me, the the big moment in this match was on Hanamura um, during the London attack, Bernard, he ate his fourth ult just on that map alone on D.Va um, for the Paris Eternal. It, it That's, for me, that really just solidified how essential having a D.Va is right now because you have a lot of people who, who you can eat the ult for. You have people playing uh, Reaper a lot. You've got a lot of the maze. You've got Hanzos. So being able to, to eat that just turns fights around and it, it really i think it was really the big difference between watching london play and watching paris play is having bernard there to to anticipate that and to catch london out when uh they needed some really strong pushes being able to have diva it it takes a super high iq diva player to eat an ultimate it's not just like oh i can hold it up forever and it will work it's on a time limit for a reason um but you have to think in terms of your opponent, which makes it super hard, honestly. Um, so lots of credit to these diva players. And with the new changes, I'm glad that she's kind of there. But at the same time, I do understand the whole... Uh, it, it's kind of annoying to play against diva right now just because of how quick she is. Uh, I feel like the Eternal, the Paris Eternal, are going to be even scarier once Sparkle gets into the game. Um, but then again, we have to wait for the hero pool, um, which is coming in week five. So we got we have a lot to really look forward to and see what it changes. 
So match two was the Uprising versus the NYXL. Um, I think we, most if not all of us, would have predicted the NYXL to take this. They've got SEB, they've got Jonak, they've got their, their whole team just working like a very well-oiled machine right now. They also took 3-0 to, uh, off Boston. This is what I've heard, at least through the industry. I don't want to like spread rumors or anything, but it feels like Boston is just grabbing stars and hoping to win something and then just turning around their players as quickly as they can. Like Note and Kellex and all those guys, they were they're good players, right? But they essentially just signed them to the contract and then they like traded them away to better teams. But overall, like I feel like the big highlight obviously is New York Excelsior. Um protect home ground they they have they held their home stand they won both their games um and in pretty dominant fashion too and put on a show for the crowd because they knew that you know they're gonna win their support that way um they're a scary team i there's yeah. a reason why they're the top top in the east for a long time sbb declared that tracer is absolutely my main he said it's been a long way home but i'm finally home um, and he got player of the match, so Married Man Meta might be a thing that the New York is going to be doing. Yeah, I feel like if Sabiobe has the map or the rain to go and do that, definitely put him on it. Um, he, He'll do what he needs to do, so I don't blame him. So moving over to Dallas, we had the Valiant versus the Titans. And um, we also had the Shock v. Fuel. Titans took the win over the Valiant. Um, this unfortunately was a 3-0, but you're going against the Titans, which are a really, really massive team. They're really strong. They're still they're still just as strong as we remember them from last year. Yeah, they, they just swapped out a couple pieces. They got Fissure in Jayhong. So I mean yeah. if anything, they're they added more veteran experience to the team. And that's what makes them scarier. I mean, I just wish that Bumper gets a place. Uh yeah. He was one of the more fun Reinhardts to watch in the game just because he would do the sneaky shatters uh, mm-hmm. and get away with it. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the team does. I mean, right now they're at least on a roll. We want to see that Titans versus shock rivalry, like continue on. Right, if anything, yeah. it just creates an even bigger storyline. It's going to, it's like season one, uh, NYXL versus London. Uh, for me, for this match, what was, really key was just watching Hawksaw on those nano blades like mm-hmm. uh, just unstoppable really like turned several key fights for the titans and the valiant were able to get some good stoppage on to Hawksaw. there were there were a couple times where um he got slept or he got killed in the action of doing the the dragon the nano blade but in general, getting at the very least two kills would really turn down, or at least even the one kill would turn the fight around in their favor and and give them either the space the manpower or just the the valiant being hyper aware that this is going to happen we have to be ready for it i, I was glad that i got to see hawksall and jayhong play together that's one thing yeah. that you don't get to see very often well obviously now that they're on the same team it's going to happen a lot more but um there's a lot of questions coming in like would jayhong ever replace twilight and i guess they found a spot where it's you know it's viable so yeah just let jayhong play the ana and then if you need to swap into anything else just put put a twilight in so yeah it it is going to be interesting to see how 
the Titans continue to ride off the momentum that they had last year, even with a couple of new pieces. And then for the Valiant, I'm actually really surprised that, like, even though they did, like, lose 3-0 here, um, originally I didn't have them in my mind as, like, even a solid team. I thought that they would just get rolled um, all the time just because of the, the lineup. Um, but I'm glad that they're, they're proving me wrong. They're, they're definitely showing, you know, they're, they're willing to fight. They're not just like rolling over. And then for, for the final match, it was the shock be fuel. Um, shock did take it in four. The fuel did force out a map four, which was impressive for them. Yeah. They, they took it on a uh, horizon. I believe that's the one that, um, Yeah. The Horizon Lunar Colony is the one that the shock gave up, but I want to point out the highlight that happened. And I feel like you pointed it out too on a Oasis. It was Gardens, right? Yeah, um, where Striker just goes off. There's a certain play, the fuel cap up to 88 or 81 almost, and then um, they were just able to push um, off the back just because. Um, Striker, Striker was kind of left uncontested and he did what he did best and just clicked heads um, and they were just able to take the point back. It, it's one of those moments where it's just so clutch that you just have to accept what just happened there. Was it that was it the play that you're talking about where like it was, was just like the city center on the point and yeah. then yeah, it was it was like Striker and then camera who was else on the point and then there the yeah, the, the fuel were trying to cap it. No, no. Yeah, the fuel were trying to cap it, but then Striker's like, no. And essentially just single handedly turns the fight around on that tracer with the pulse bomb. Yeah. So pulse bomb and then mop up. Yeah, it was insane. Like just the way how Striker is able to focus up and get exactly what he needed to do. Um, it's insane. It's like very counter to like the overarching mentality of the league where it's like you gotta go in with your full team if you're not with your full team reset then just retake it's i think that's also something that i noticed throughout the day that people in these teams weren't giving up after they weren't always giving up after they lost a little bit in the fight like they they were very scrappy throughout like if the, if there's a word of the weekend it's scrappy which is what i felt about these games and what the casters felt about these games is just slugging it out on the point never giving an inch yeah and that's kind of the mentality that san francisco has had for a long time it's just like we we will fight for literally every every tick every uh every percentage that we can get of a control point um and we definitely have talent in order to do that um and and to pop off like that but i feel like the fuel definitely have the pieces um but once they get the synergy down, they're going to be scary. Let's talk now about what we feel about how the meta is going. I know we were saying that there's not really a solid meta right now, but there there are definitely key picks that all the teams are running. Like for me, what it's mostly that I've noticed is the Rhine with the the shatters to incapacitate the other teams is a big big pick. Um, having a May for the ice wall and the blizzards is really key too. also having an honor for the sleep dart. And then a lot of teams, the, the, the second tank will kind of differ between an Arisa and a diva. I think the diva personally is a little bit stronger right now because of the ability to, to pounce on snipers. Um, that three second boost 
and the ability to eat ultimates. Um, McCree was also huge. Like we were talking a couple weeks ago about the, um, the, the buff to McCree, both the distance and for uh, the dead eye, like dead eye being used as zoning was really big in these matches. Like you don't, don't always get a kill, but you force the enemy team to scamper and hide like as whatever cover they can find. Yeah, most people think high noon is like something that must kill if you if you get it. Um, it's nice to get a kill, but the main thing that Deadeye does is zone. Um, Deadeye is a 10 second insta clear zone. Um, if you think about it that way, you think about it as like if you stand within a certain line of sight, they cannot be there for 10 seconds. Um, Plus, the line of sight just expanded by 360 degrees. Oh, yeah, for sure. As long as you just do a full 360 on McCree, you're just like, oh, okay, I saw you there. Uh, we're, we're okay. Um, but yeah, I feel like this game is in a very fluid state, and I like it. Uh, I personally do. It forces us to use our brains and figure out, oh, okay, we need to use this. Um, we need to do that. Um, once again, there are a couple of picks that are like always there. Like, once again, Ryan Diva seems to be very popular um, and running it along with a May. Um, you have and, three shields. Yeah, you have three shields. The reason why May is being ran still is because she is essentially just a form of CC. She has a wall, which is a free shield. And the the freeze, the complete freeze, is a, is a stun. It's a hold. It can cancel, like, shatter. It can cancel certain things out. So that's what makes... Her, may scary as a player um diva's mobility and ability to eat ultimates is really important which is the reason why they're played um and ryan has got the biggest shield at the moment and shatter cannot be eaten by by defense matrix so um the only thing that stops shatter is another ryan um or an any Arisa, shield. But, like like any shield but you have to be running a shield in order to do that so right uh, a lot to think about and then lucio's going to get picked just because for speed and uh and beat drop which is very mm. good um lots of beat dropping throughout lots for sure um and then in the last map i mean if you want to talk about the secret spicy pick of putting architect on ana instead of a dps uh yeah that was um I guess in the correct term is spicy. Not a lot of people <laughs> technical would term. think of that. I mean, yeah, the technical term for this is spicy because you would think, oh, put Architect on the Widowmaker, obviously. You know, he clicks heads. And then it's just like, oh, wait, what if we don't have to make him click heads? And then you're like, okay, he just hits everything. The most amazing stat, obviously, from from this match was 47 sleep darts. 47 successful sleeps, 41 uh, anti-nade kills. Plus also, he, like, boosting the Rhine, Architect went off. You boost the Rhine, or if you really need a contest, you boost the May, <laughs> So she can't die. Just kind of sits there and does what they need to do. Um, Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, it's, I, I honestly think this was a great start to the Overwatch League. Very exciting times. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? Uh, not really. Let me just check who's playing. Oh, yeah, who's playing next week? Uh, we know that for sure it is in Philadelphia. I'm going to just let you guys know that. Um, sadly, the games in Shanghai were canceled. 
Um, but we have the matchup between the Houston Outlaws and the Florida Mayhem on Saturday the 15th. And then we have the My Philly team? Fusion. Yeah, we have the Fusion versus the Washington Justice. That's also on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we have the Outlaws versus the Justice. And then the Fusion versus the Mayhem. Oh, boy. Don't let me down, Outlaws. I'm really excited to see the Outlaws, honestly. Like, that's one of the only rosters that I think has a really good overhaul. Um, like, besides the the Toronto Defiant and picking up everybody who's Canadian and can aim, uh, the, the Houston Outlaws did a really good job of picking up Harsha, I think. He's a very good coach. Um, and then also just getting a lot of just pieces that they need for the team, so... They're going to be an interesting team to watch, but we'll see how they face up against... Well, it's the Mayhem and the Justice, so I mean, it's going to be interesting. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into the gameplay part of the podcast. Um, We'll see you next week. And if you haven't checked out the news section, please do so. Next week, we get ready for the Battle of Brotherly Love in Philadelphia. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator save big money at menards let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from Force. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.